We've been talking about our spiritual health, and I want the number one thing that I want you to pick up from this month is that if you are a believer in Christ, if you have expressed faith in the gospel, you are 100% spiritually healthy. There is a seed of perfect health on the inside of you. Now, what we talk about spiritual health or what we talk about spiritual maturity is the process of bringing that health, bringing that life, bringing that seed out publicly. It's the process of maturing. So you can plant a seed in the ground and not think that there's anything going on with that seed until that, that seed matures into a plant. So you, if you're a believer in Christ, are healthy. How in the world do we get that inner health out to the surface? So our spiritual disciplines are practices that we engage in that aid in our spiritual health our spiritual maturity. It's the, it's the different things that we do to train us up. It's like watering your plants. That's what we're talking about, spiritual disciplines. Getting your plants in dirt that's not poisonous. So we're not talking about super highfalutin stuff. This is stuff that all of us have been doing, well, all of us have known that we have supposed to have been doing this forever. I wanna talk about health is not a destination. It's kind of like the goal. We are never going to achieve the level of, hey, I'm 100% healthy. There's always stuff for us to be working on. Have you ever uh, seen people in the gym or like go to the, to the gym and like the dude's over there with the shirt off and it's just like, looks like he's chiseled out of granite and it's like, why are you still here? You're done. You've accomplished everything that you need to accomplish. Go home so that the rest of us don't have to feel bad. But that person that's working on something, if you ask him, what are you working on? Well, I'm working on this. I've got a laundry list of things that that person's working on. Makes me want to hit that person with a shovel, but that person is working on something. And so all of us here, regardless of if somebody across the, the room feels like some spiritual giant, I promise you, nobody in this room has arrived. All of us are working on something. The healthiest people in our room, the spirit, most spiritually mature people in the room are people that are like, I'm in here to work on something. Like, what are you working on in life? This. The people that show up to the gym is like, hey, what are you working on today? I have no idea. That's not bad, because we've all got to start somewhere. It's not bad, but that person is not going to get as much out of their workout as the person that shows up and it's like, they've already snorted three lines of pre-workout and they're already sweating and they're ready to go lift everything. It's like, goodness. I'm like, I'm 36 and I'm already too old for that mess. Oh my goodness. So when we talk about physical health, when we talk about mental health, when we talk about relational health, when we talk about spiritual health, we're talking about balancing everything. If the only thing that I ever eat physically is like boiled chicken breast, I'm going to die. I don't care how much protein is in chicken breast because it's not balanced. If the only thing that I work out in in the gym is like my arms, have you ever seen somebody in the gym that never works out their legs? So they're like ripped and they've got these little chicken legs. It's difficult to work out your legs, but you don't want to be that person that skips leg day. So the same thing spiritually. There are things that we are really good at it's about balance. That health is about balance. You can be an incredible musician and have all these thoughts on like, we are going to worship the Lord and I dance 14 hours a day in, in front of the Lord. It's like, well, do you ever read your Bible? No, my gifting is dance. And it's like, well, that's imbalance. It's not necessarily like 
you're not going to get hit by a car if you're imbalanced or if you're not balanced, but it's not where you could be. Like that person that's, you know, chiseled and you've got like little chicken legs. It's not bad, but it's like, man, you're not where you could be. Imagine if you would balance. Have you ever seen the person at the gym um, that looked great physically, but they're a horrible person? Emotionally, mentally, relationally, they've not done their work. So all they've done is dress up the outside of something, and they're not balanced. They have anger issues. They have rage issues. Might be why they're at the gym. It's better to you know express your rage via barbell than uh, grabbing hold of somebody's throat at Wendy's. So discipline. That when we talk about discipline, the thing that makes us go. I don't want to do it. I know. Nobody wants to do anything that's good for them. It's like, hey, we need to be eating healthier. I don't want to. Like, I know. It's so frustrating. Hey, we need to be working on our physical health. <sighs> I know. But it's the same thing when you were talking to your kids about like doing their homework. Hey, who wants to do your homework? I don't want to do it. Well, suck it up, buttercup, because you got to. Like anybody in this room, myself included, I love what I do. I feel that God has called me to do exactly what I do. I live for this. When I wake up in the morning, nobody wakes up and goes, ah, work. Nobody does it. It's a discipline. We, we want to be mature people. Yeah, I agree. Um, none of us want to be those immature people. You've got friends in your life that have not changed since high school. And it's like, wow. Those people that talk about the glory days of high school. It's like, goodness. We don't want to be those immature people. And so we discipline ourselves to maturing up. So one of the ways that we discipline ourselves is that we get into a routine. That routine helps us balance ourselves out and helps us focus on things that I wouldn't want to normally focus on. I prep out my meals of like, this is what I'm having for dinner on Thursday. Because if I leave it up to my brain, go, what do you want to eat for dinner on Thursday? Cookies and Twinkies. Well, when I've got my head in a, in a good place, I sit down at the beginning of the week and I go, here's what I'm eating this week. Because I can't trust my independent nature to bring me to health. So when we get into a routine, we are sitting down and going, this is what we're doing. The last point about discipline, we also have all got to start where we are. Every, please YouTube gym fails. Please YouTube videos of people that are putting up way too much weight. It's the most hysterical thing in the world. You've got people that have got like plates on every side and like plates stacked on top of things and then they have got bungee cords on the bottom of it and they have all the confidence in the world and they get it up there and <laughs> you don't want to be that person. When I'm in the gym and somebody walks in and they are bench pressing the bar, not once do I ever go, wuss. Not once. Because we've all got to start where, where we are. Because when I've got my little five pound plate on the end of the bar, I don't want anybody else going, what in the world is that guy putting up like 50 pounds? It's what I got. We've all got to start where we are. So we're about to walk through a huge list of all these spiritual disciplines. Every one of us is immediately going to have the enemy go, you don't do enough of that. You don't pray enough. You don't worship enough. You don't read enough Bible. Well, yeah, 
None of us are where we need to be. That's the whole idea of the maturity process. We have all got to start where we are. Nobody is going to be more impressed with you if you sit down on Monday and go, okay, I will now read 50 chapters of the Bible. You won't do it. You're going to start off, and then in like five chapters, you're going to go, this is the dumbest thing that I've ever done. It's like anybody that starts off with like, hey, I'm going to get in shape. I'm going to go out and I'm going to run eight miles. Well, the next day you will run zero miles. So all of us are going to start where we are. We are not going to beat ourselves up of where we should be. We're not going to make fun of somebody else for being where they are, right? Can we all agree to that, that there's no shame in where we are? If you can only start with reading a half a verse a day, thank God, please start reading half a verse a day. No one is going to be impressed when you come in here next week and go, just so you know, I prayed for 13 hours. Who cares? You are here to work on you. Who cares what anybody else thinks about that? Okay, we have got different dimensions of our spiritual health. I've got a chart. This is going to awaken the nerds in the room. If you're not a nerd, you can feel free to take a two-minute nap. Okay. With all of our spiritual disciplines, there are two different continuums. There is a continuum of how many people I am doing this discipline with, I am by myself, or I am in a room full of people. It's solo or communal. There needs to be an aspect all along that continuum on all of our spiritual disciplines. Prayer. You need to have a healthy prayer life by yourself, and you need to have a healthy prayer life around other people. So anything that we talk about, we're going to have a dimension of, I do this well by myself, and I do this well in front of other people. The other continuum of, is things that happen in your brain, these contemplative works versus actions. All these spiritual disciplines need to have a mental aspect, contemplative, and a functional aspect of it. You can say, well, it's just my gifting to be alone and in my head. Well, you're imbalanced. You need to be spiritually mature. You need to be spiritually healthy. Or all of our extroverts in the room are like, I just want to do everything around everybody else. And it's like, well, are you, are you spending any time in prayer like by yourself? No, because the, the, the goal of the kingdom of God is out in the world and we need to go out in the world. It's like, well, you also need to take care of the stuff that's in here. So we've got four different areas, all right? So when I am doing my mental solo stuff, it's like I'm homeschool or like I'm doing homework at home. I'm secluded. I'm just, I'm working on me. And if you're married or if you've got kids in the house, this is difficult. But you have got to get times that you are pulling away and working on you. There, are ne- there needs to be times that you are by yourself engaged in the physical aspects of this. Like worship can't just be a mental exercise for you. There, there are times that you need to be by yourself and opening up your armpits in worship or singing or painting. And that's like you going to the gym. I'm not going to the gym to talk to any. If you ever see me at the gym and I have my headphones in, please don't talk to me. That is a communal sign of like, I have my headphones in. I am not here to engage in social work. Leave me alone. 
I am here to work on me. So there are times in our spiritual disciplines that I am just, I'm in my head and I'm working out the, the functions of my spirituality by myself. It's like me being at the gym. But there is also times I need to be around a group of people. It is no surprise to anybody in the room that I, I do jujitsu. And there is no way to do jujitsu by yourself. There's no way to do it. And so I engage in a physical activity with another group of people. We try to choke each other to death and stop right before the end. And that's nice, you know, because I would prefer not to have my arm broken every other day. So it's like you going to like a spin class. That's kind of what church is. You know, what we would call, you know, a church service is like our spin class. We're engaged in the physical aspects of our spiritual disciplines around other people. When we come in here and if somebody had their headphones in and they're over in a corner, it's like, I'm just working on me. It's like, well, now's not the time to do that. And then there's like classwork where you're engaged in mental stuff, the contemplative side of Christianity with other people. That's these small groups or that's these Bible studies that, that you're engaged with, that I'm, I'm engaging my mind with other people. We need to have aspects of all of this. So as we're about to just rapid fire, go through these spiritual disciplines, think about this. I don't want you to necessarily take a whole bunch of notes on what the spiritual disciplines are. This is what I want us to remember. Mind, body, by myself, with other people. So whatever you're wanting to mature in, in your Christianity, needs to have aspects of all of this by myself, with other people. In my head, acts of you know, expression. All right, the first thing that I wanna talk about is studying your Bible. This is not just reading, this is studying. We are engaging, we are learning. This is not supposed to be boring. If you, uh, if you like go to a history class and you talk to somebody that's like, I hate history, you don't hate history, you hate your history teacher. I hate math. You don't hate math, you hate your math teacher. There is a way for us to learn that is engaging and exciting. The Bible is a book that was written by the God of the universe for us about his plan for the world. It's the most exciting thing in the world. And I am so sorry that you have run into people in your life that have made this boring. It does not have to be boring. There are people murdering people left and right in the Bible every day. If, if your brain is not at the maturity level where you can just handle like reading verses, there's murder in the Bible. Go read some of that. If you are, at, and I'm not kidding about this, if you are at the level that you need a comic book Bible, those exist. If you, are, if you are a visual learner and you need these tools in your life, go get them. Who cares if you come into this church and you're reading through a comic book Bible? If that is where you are, that is not a maturity level of like, oh, you are immature. Some people are visual learners and say, hey, I've got a comic book Bible. Who cares what you think? When I go into the gym, there are things that I do that other people go, well, why do you do it like that? None of your business, that's why. So if you come in here and you're like, I've got a comic book Bible, it's like, why do you have that? None of your business. I didn't ask for your opinion. Go away. You're allowed to say that to, to people. There are podcasts, YouTube videos, the entire sum of human knowledge is literally at our fingertips right now. 
You can get on YouTube and learn about anything in the Bible. Now, my proviso, when we are studying, if you went outside and somebody that you don't know offered you a Twinkie, Twinkies are amazing, and it's an unwrapped Twinkie and goes, here's a Twinkie, would you eat? Well, some of us would. Some of us would. But is it healthy to eat stranger Twinkie? No. Please consider the source of the information that you are dumping into your head because there's a lot of wackos on YouTube as well. All right? So please study, but don't just guzzle in anything that everybody says. Put it on your plate and go, are there stray hairs? Nope. Okay. Ask a friend, does this look like it has salmonella to you? But instead, we go down, oh gosh, Facebook, rabbit trails of like, well, the guy said that if I didn't share this, Jesus would hate me. By the way, insider information, Jesus won't hate you if you don't click share. Just saying. Okay, so 2 Timothy 16, 17. All scripture, all of it, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us what to do or what to do is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So, oh no. Um, so, hey, thanks. So we need to have aspects of Bible study in our lives. Bible study by yourself. Bible study with other people. Mental Bible study. I don't know how you engage in physical acts of Bible study. Of maybe do calisthenics while you're studying the Bible. We have resources. If you look at this and you go, I don't know. By the way, I can't do a pull-up. Can't do a pull-up. I don't have any inferiority complex about not being able to do a pull-up. I'm not there yet. One day I might be. So I don't get into shame about me not knowing how to do a pull-up. Never get into shame about you not knowing how to study your Bible. Never. Please ask. Say, hey, I'm wanting to mature in the discipline of Bible study. Can you help me? I would love to help you. It's what I do for a living. We have the ability to help you study your Bible. The next thing that we're going to talk about is you need to have a reading plan that has nothing to do with study. You're not engaged in like, wonder what this word means. We need to have times that we are just reading and letting the words of Scripture just wash over us. This might look like you listening to podcasts. You can go on YouTube and have the entire Bible read to you. Like if you don't read well, who cares? We have resources that we need to be able to let the words wash over us. Um, in liturgical churches, they have a reading plan. You can pick up the Book of Common Prayer at any um, Episcopal church, and there will be a reading plan of what are we reading today? Well, the entire Episcopal church over the entire world is reading this today. The Catholics have a reading plan of what are we reading? This. When we start up in January, we as a church are going to have a reading plan. Do you need to stick with it? No, but we will have a reading plan. One of the worst ditches of shame and depression that anyone ever gets into is when they start the one-year Bible, and in 
like May, they're still like in February. And it's like, well, I've got to read for 24 hours to catch up. Skip. This is going to be the most spiritually like transformative thing that I say all day. Skip a day. Don't let a back catalog of debt pile up. You know, like when you have credit card debt that you don't want to look at and it's like, I owe $15 billion. And every time you check the mail and it's like you ignore it and the mail just builds because it's like, I'm terrified of what the mail has to say. We will not do that with our Bible reading plan. Who cares if you missed a day? Catch it next year. Like we're not doing this Christianity thing just for a year. Catch it next year. Have a reading plan of today. We need to have a reading plan publicly. We need to have a reading plan privately. Um, Joshua 1.8, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Faith, you are amazing. For all the nerds in the room, I've got some Latin for you. Lectia Divina. This is the biblical idea of meditation. What Lectio Divina is, is what we've been doing as Christians for thousands of years, is you read a section of Scripture. Who cares where it is? Might be in your reading plan, might be in your study plan, might be in neither. You read a set of Scripture, and you take a deep old breath. Who cares what bills you have to pay? Who cares what is going on at work? Who cares what color your kid's Sharpies are that they're coloring themselves with. You take a beat, you read those verses, and you pray. What stands out? I think this stands out. So one of the things that that I always go to is when Jesus is cooking breakfast for the disciples after the resurrection, they're out all night fishing. Meanwhile, Jesus is sitting on the banks. It's a pebbly shore. What does the water sound like as it's lapping up on the beach? What's the sunrise look like? What colors are going on? Let's pray. And you read it again. And then you spend some time in prayer. And then you read it again. What color is Jesus' robe? And you pray. And you delve into, put your brain in that story of Scripture. Or if you're going through the epistles, what's Paul talking about? We delve in. This is what meditation, when when the Bible says that we are supposed to meditate on the Word of God, this is what it's doing. It's the idea of like a cow chewing on its cud. It's the grossest thing in the world, but it's how they, they bring nutrients into their body. You chew on it, and you walk away, and you chew on it, and you walk away, and you chew on it, and walk away. Even just us doing that for a minute, can you tell the entire atmosphere changed? We don't do any of this because our days are going a thousand miles an hour. Psalm 1, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight on the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the river, bearing fruit in each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in whatever they do. All right, the next thing is worship. We need to have mental worship, physical worship, private worship, communal worship. Worship is not singing songs. Because of the tradition of the church, we have just stamped worship as 
like the act of singing. It's not. At the beginning of the church, we would find, uh, we as, as believers used to meet in like graveyards and catacombs because they were killing us for being Christians. So the Christians would go underground to have their church services. And as we start excavating these Roman um, mausoleums, along with all the pagan gravestones, there would be these beautiful mosaics of fish, of crosses, of wheat. You know, so these Christians were engaged in the arts of beautifying their, uh, their churches. Now, the Catholic church in 1500s went a little extreme with it. You know, you had stained glass and everything was covered in gold and everything was opulent. Well, it's because instead of having, you know, a harmonica and a mandolin, they had their ability to build. That was their act of worship of beautifying. Now they spent all their money on buildings. So we as Protestants swung way hard the other way. You go into a Protestant church, you know, you know, Methodist, Presbyterian, you know, Baptist, Church of Christ, and our, I mean, our stages look kind of cool, but our buildings are kind of boring. There's no gold leaf on anything in the building, hopefully. If you find pockets of gold in the church, let me know. Um, but what we've done is we've pulled the arts out of our, out of our expression of worship. So what would it be like? It's like, I can't sing. Well, worship is not singing. If you can sing, please worship the Lord in singing. But can you try to paint? Can you try to dance? Can you try to journal or engage in poetry? There are gifts that are on the inside of you that are screaming to come out in acts of worship. It's taking what's going on in here and communicating it to God via journaling, via writing, via poetry, via nonfiction, via via fiction, via art, via mosaic. If you are gifted to make stained glass, baby darling, make some stained glass. All of that stuff is acts of worship. If your act of worship is um, dance, please dance. And just because your particular like expression of worship um, is not focused on in the building, who cares? We need to have communal worship. We need to have private worship. I need to have worship that's going on in my head. I need to have worship that is just going on with my body. There are times that we kneel in prayer. Why are you kneeling? I don't know. To engage my body. Um, I do want to paraphrase Psalm 150. You can go back and, and read this later. Psalm 150, the entire psalm is about all the different instruments that, that the psalmist is commanding the people of Israel, worship God with the harp, worship God with the cymbals, worship God with the horns, worship God with this. Instrument worship. Try it. It doesn't cost you anything to get in your room and just like try singing or try like, hey, we're going to learn banjo. Sometimes if you are wanting to learn banjo, the the solo private part of your worship is the best place for you to learn. If you're wanting to learn violin or trumpet, please start learning by yourself. Um, prayer. It's one of the things that we focus on, but I, I want to I maybe interject. Prayer doesn't necessarily always have to happen with your mouth. What does it look like to journal your prayers? What does it look like to sit in silence for just a minute? 
just to shut your brain down for a minute. We have all got stuff that's going on in our head and our hearts that it's hard for us to express into words. We are able to offer those things up as prayers of just like, I don't know what this is. So we're just going to sit before the Lord and offer this. The Bible says, and we have misinterpreted this verse a lot. The Bible says that when we don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will help us with groanings and utterances that are impossible to express. We have always said, well, that's speaking in tongues. It's not. There are things that we are supposed to express to the Lord that get caught in our chest, and it's just like, ah. They're not words for what I'm feeling. There's not words for what I'm thinking. Those are acts of prayer that we are able to sit in front of the Lord. We are able to sit in front of the Lord with our prayers with other people. That's why we're trying desperately for you to like, we need to know what your prayer requests are because there is an aspect of your prayer life that needs to be communal. Other people around you, not everybody, you don't need to get on Twitter and just be like, this is what I'm praying for today necessarily. But there needs to be a communal aspect of prayer so that we can partner with. And when God answers that prayer, we can go, hey, remember when you were praying about that? Last one, acts of service. Um, By the way, that last one, in Acts, Peter goes into a trance. That's all I'm going to say about that. Peter goes into a trance as an act of prayer. Just to weird everybody out. Um, Acts of service. There needs to be solo acts of service and communal acts of service that you're engaged in. That is a spiritual discipline that adds balance to your life. Um, What happens if you doing the laundry is an act of spiritual discipline? Seems like the dumbest thing in the world. But you caring for your family is an expression of love. Us going and like mulching beds at a school or us going and serving like, you know, building those boxes of food to hand out. We've had a handful of people come by the church this past week needing food. So gifts that you sowed months ago are still being put into the ground to help people. The acts of service, you engaging your elbow grease. When we have a work day and you're pulling weeds, it is an act of service. There needs to be times that you do that publicly around a group of people, and then there are things that you do that are private just by yourself. Um, There is a monk named Brother Lawrence that wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God. Um, And, you know, it's it's a 300-year-old book, so there's some funny things in it. you got to take it with a grain of salt. But he would sit there and wash dishes, dishes and weep under the presence of the Lord because he was engaged in an act of service for his brothers. He engaged with the presence of the Lord in something as mundane as washing a floor. There is glory to be found in the things that we do. The frustrating thing is that we have turned this into a work of the flesh so that when we serve, it's because you have to. Or when we serve, it's because somebody's strong-arming you or emotionally manipulating you, and that's not an act of worship. So when we serve as a church, it's like, hey, even if it's as mundane as doing the laundry, we are going to serve as an act of our, 
as an act of our faith. Remember when Nehemiah built a wall and saved the Israeli uh, tribe because he engaged in an act of service? Remember in Exodus um, when God blessed Bezaziel and Othelia, you know, I'm I'm making up names. Um, He blessed certain people that had the ability to be craftsmen to build the tabernacle that their act of worship had nothing to do with a song, had nothing to do with a horn, had nothing to do with the priestly acts of worship of like slaughtering and barbecuing. Um, We might need to bring that back. Have like a lamb roast. It's our priestly act of service. We're having a barbecue. They fashioned gold. They, They wove together, you know, tapestries as an act of their worship. What your spiritual disciplines could be is not what you have been stuck in. And you might feel trapped in your Christianity and it's like, well, I've done it for five years. There's nothing else new. Oh, there are whole fields of Christianity that you've never even explored because we're kind of trapped in our worldview. So where do you begin? Out of all the stuff that we talked about, there's tons more. None of this is an exhaustive list. I have got more Latin words than you can shake a stick at. What excites you? Like out of us reading a list of all this stuff, like is there anything that was like, hmm, that might be cool. You know, like if you're having a a hard time with your cardio, like running is not the only cardio that exists. Like you'll, you'll not believe what happens to people's minds when it's like, hey, do you want to go punch things? Yeah, it's cardio. Whatever, whatever you can do, make it fun. Whatever, somebody's phone's going off. It's like, hey, be quiet. Stop talking. Um, I get it. I know. I'm sorry. I told you. <laughs> what excites you? Then ask for help. If, if the idea of like, hey, comic book Bible study. I've got Amazon links. Ask for help. Get somebody in your life to go, hey, I think I'm going to try that like Lectio Divina, like prayer meditation stuff. It seems just weird enough to be cool. Which it is. Hey, I I think I'm wanting to like kind of explore my prayer life a little bit more. Hey, I think I want to start trying to like paint and worship. Ask a friend so that you can have accountability. And that so you can partner with somebody. And then... Start wherever you are. You don't have to be an expert at it. You will be garbage at every new thing that you ever try. It is just the way of the world. Try anyways. You're going to mess it up a thousand times. When you start a daily reading plan, you are going to forget whole months. And that's okay. Because next year, if you just start where you are, next year you're going to be somewhere different than where you are now. So many of us get trapped in this rut of life that we've never changed anything in the last 30 years, but yet we gripe every day about, well, I'm just where, I'm just trying to get up out of this rut. Well, what have you done different? Nothing. Well, you've got to change something in order for things to change. And I know that change is difficult and it's scary and it's terrifying and everything is changing too much. I get it. I know. Change is panic inducing. 
Do it anyways, because the alternative is that we stay in immature levels of Christianity for the rest of our lives. And I'm telling you, what God has planned for us at Church on the Hill needs us to step into new levels of excitement and maturity. Amen? So let's go ahead and stand up just to shake the cobwebs out. Let's pray, and then I've got some direction on how we eat and how we get back in here and talk about money. So, Father, um, we have no idea what we're doing, um, and we need help. Lord, your word says that you promise that you take the lonely and you establish them in family. So when I'm off by myself, there is a possibility for me to not um, stay alone that there is a family out there somewhere for me. So all the different areas of our life that we're needing to grow in, to mature in, in the, in the aspect of my prayer life, I feel like I'm lonely because I don't know what I'm doing a lot of the times in prayer. There is a family for me to engage in, to teach me how to pray. If I don't know what I'm doing when I'm studying the scripture, which by the way, I've got a degree in it, and there's tons of stuff about the Bible I have no idea about. So you don't have to be an expert in order to study your Bible. So when we have um, feelings of inadequacy and ignorance when it comes to studying Scripture, Lord, we choose to get out from underneath that shame and accusation, and we are going to start wherever we are. No, uh, no intimidation, no spiritual intimidation in this room with these people. We are all working on something together. So Lord, Holy Spirit, transform us this month this year, this decade, that we are somewhere different, that I am somewhere, please God, let me be somewhere different in my 50s than I am right now. I want to be a spiritual giant compared to where I am right now. I can just feel like the 80s montage of like the training. You know, it's Daniel's son, you know, sanding the fence and like, Rocky running upstairs as you turn pages of your Bible. It's like we all get out into our car this afternoon, and Eye of the Tiger is whispering in your ear of like, worship. It's like, all right, I'm going to suit up. I'm going to get my paints out, and I'm going to paint. All of us need an 80s uh, training montage to increase our spiritual discipline. Holy Spirit, we dedicate that this is not going to just be a mere act of our flesh, an act of our physical uh, discipline. We need the life of the Holy Spirit, the glory of the Lord that is hidden inside of us to start peeking its way out. Oh God, teach us, transform us. Father, we bless you in Jesus' name.